Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Uh, my name is Alex Q, and welcome to the third episode of Miscast. Strata Genius. Strata Genius. <laughs> I always look forward to those. <laughs> yeah, it's getting harder and harder to think of actually ones that aren't complete rubbish. But anyway, uh, this is the third episode in a short series where each episode we discuss tabletop topics that we hope will help improve your generalship, expertise, and enjoyment of your gaming experience. Mm. It's the podcast that will talk nonsense and sense, and it's the podcast that's found out about the origin of Viagra this week. It's that <laughs> kind of podcast. <laughs> Any comments about Viagra, people? I've never used it, but I think I would, because my girlfriend's lucky if she gets two pumps and an apology nowadays. (laughs) 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 Any comments, Owen, about Darren's uh, relationship? Um, I mean, I probably quite like it, because I play Warhammer on hard mode. So maybe <laughs> Oh, there we go. Here he is. Maybe he maybe is. The, maybe the Viagra will help me in my uh other 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 kind of games. Oh BOC hard mode nowadays. Are they not, <laughs> they're not the actual cream. Hey, hey. <laughs> my my goats and my, my cows are safe in a box. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mind going. I don't mind. I think you deserve it after like repping a whole season with Nagash. <laughs> oh Nagash, Nagash. Um no, I'm, I'm, I wanna play OBR. That's what I want to play, just because, yeah. you know, I'm a very reactive player, and why not play an army that can't react in any way? Um, that makes sense, right? <laughs> I, like to, uh, I like to pop a couple and then chant that, that famous Rage of Sigma saying, and we're back! <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it's, 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 it's going to be that kind of podcast. Everyone listening, it just is. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, anyone else? You set the tone out. You set the tone, Alex. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Anyone else know the origin of Viagra? Just out of interest. I don't know the origin. No, pray tell. So they were looking into it to uh, try and help heart disease, mm-hmm. and uh, all the guys when the nurses came back were lying on their fronts, and some uh, very sensible nurse thought. Why are all the men lying on their fronts when we come back? It's because they all had all had erections. So there you go. Origin of jazz. Uh, a jazz? God, I've got jazz on the mind, Owen. Origin of Viagra. Um, anyway, uh, should we get into our episode? So you can hear yeah, yeah. my uh, you can hear my first sexy co-host serenades as as last time. He goes by at Positive Victim on Twitter, and he's officially launched his professional coaching professional coaching service so professional and coaching for all your intimate tabletop needs it's darren watson hi darren (laughs) hello gorgeous you're right yes yeah i'm a little hungover i went to a uh, party yesterday which was it's an annual thing actually ridley fest they call it um it's a large garden that the chap himself joe is a gardener so his garden was absolutely glorious um, I, I was there for 20 minutes and I got red knees. So I spent the whole party trying to avoid the sun because I don't often go outside. <laughs> um, did you get sunburned on your knees for 20 minutes? I, was I, say, did, what I did, did you yeah. get red knees from, Darren? Normally that's something else. <laughs> Do you want to hear a red knee story? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I We went, there's a gay bar in um, Portsmouth. Brilliant. Called, yeah. uh, what's, it, what's it called? HB. HB. It's a, it's a famous one. Um, and we we often go there because it's fucking loads of fun. Um, but one night I got particularly, I was particularly drunk. So please um, excuse this story. Um, mm-hmm. It's not going to, it's not going to show me in the best light. And I'm since, you know, I am ashamed of it. But at the time I was only in my twenties, so I couldn't excuse myself. It's fun. Um, I can edit it out afterwards if it's a problem. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, basically, I, I was having a lot of fun on the dance floor and I was dancing around and there was a, a group of a group of women. I can't presume they were all lesbians. Um, but one of them, I, I, I took that they were dancing around a handbag and I picked it up and, and I started to dance around it because my mother, that's her favourite thing to do, is put her, dance, her bag on the dance floor and then she likes to two-step with her arms outstretched like she's an aeroplane. So it's it's her favourite dance, you know, it's very mumsy. So I was trying to emulate that, but in the middle of a nightclub, um, you know, obviously very drunk. So they took umbrage to this and they tried to get their bag back, obviously, mm-hmm. which is absolutely fine. Um, and I, I I didn't know what was going on. Um, and basically, we, oh, Freddie, Freddie's growling. He doesn't like this story either. I've, I've, had, to, I've had to go in the front room because I'm hungover. So is my girlfriend, Alex. She's in the bedroom. She's kicked me out. Um but anyway, there was a bit of a to-do with this bag, and their their items fell on the floor. Um, and then, obviously, there was a, a large group of women all very angry at me. So my friend came over to calm it all down, and I said, "Look, ladies, I'll buy you all. I'll buy you all a Jaeger bomb." Or rather, my friend Wayne told told them he I'd buy them all a Jaeger bomb. So I went to the bar. I ordered I don't know five to six Jaeger bombs, and then <laughs> I turned around. I don't know why I did this, but I said, "Oi!" And then I proceeded to down all the Jaeger bombs in front of them. Um, <laughs> that, that set them off again. And I got, chucked, I got chucked out. I got chucked out uh, of the bar about, um, it must be about half 11. Um, 
and anyway, I none of my friends followed me because obviously it's completely my fault, and I was you know a massive tit, and I did deserve to be to be chucked out. Um, later that evening, I get in back to the house um, where I live with Rick Myhill at the time about 3 a.m. in the morning. And they're like, so this is a good, what's that? One, that's a good four hours. No one's seen me. And they've, they, they've been in since half two. And I come in all disheveled. <laughs> I'm in my shorts and I've got these bloody knees. They're like, where have you been? What have you been doing after being kicked out of a gay bar? <laughs> <laughs> Where's <Yeah>. going, Darren? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, in obviously in the morning because I was when I got in, I was paralytic. Um, obviously in the morning, I was like, "What the hell's going on with my knees?" Um, uh, but I think I think what's happened is that I've fallen over because my phone was smashed. I've fallen over onto my knees. Um, that's what I think what's happened. Um, but everyone else thinks someone's had a great time with me or I've given them a great time, <laughs> one or the other. But, yeah, that's my, that's my naughty knee story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was a journey. <laughs> the, end, the end of that was much better than I thought it could have been. See, that, that was great. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> um, Darren, yeah, coaching I, I, service, I we should, um, we should, uh, we should, we should uh, shout it out, really. Um, how's it going? How's it been? How's uh, how's your clientele? How are they yeah, all doing? I think, I think it's going rather well. I mean, I, I've always been super reluctant to do this, but since like 2017, people often ask me questions on, at, you know, at that time it was how to how to get the most out of croak because I was doing quite successfully with croak, um, and I think I've built up a bit of a reputation for being helpful. So people often will come to me with list ideas, uh, and, you know, from all levels as well. People that are just getting into the hobby right the way up to people that are on international teams. I've even been on, you know, um, uh, Skypes with, 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 with teams, you know, trying to give them some tips on doing pairings and deployments and list builds and team builds. Um, but I've always done that for free, you know, sort of in my spare time. But it was getting to the point where I was getting sort of two or three people a day asking a asking questions um it doesn't sound like a lot but if you want to do a good job for someone say someone says to you is this a good list then you think to yourself i think to myself right what's your local meta like are you proactive are you a reactive player you know what experience have you got with the list what are your goals for the list are you going to any events you know there's quite a lot of work that goes into these these questions so those two or three people would turn into like two to four to five hours a day thinking about everyone's lists. And it was getting to the point where I'd be in the supermarket with my girlfriend and she'd be, we enjoy shopping together um, and she'll be, she'll be wittering away at me and not wittering away. That's, that's a derogatory, isn't it? She'll be, she'll be enthusiastic. <laughs> and, but my mind's elsewhere, you know, and that was happening, yeah. that was happening more and more. And you, I should be able to, compartmentalize is that the right term mm-hmm. my warhammer and my because she's got no interest in the hobby whatsoever um i just want to be a better boyfriend basically and also i struggle with sleep so it's getting to the point where it, it was people's questions were sort of playing on my mind and yeah. people have often told me that i should do i should i shouldn't be doing so much for free so initially i started i've got a little uh, a coffee link in my my twitter bio for people that if they are appreciative they can they can send some money but it's certainly not something that you need to do because i'm very reluctant to make warhammer pay to play yeah, um, yeah, yeah 
But this is a step I've taken to try and manage my time as well, because on the the, the coffee link doesn't work because some people send nothing, which is absolutely fine. Some people send way too much for my time. So it's just a nice way of saying, right, if, you, if you'd like some help, here are the here are the here's the amount of time that I can give to you here is a cost so that I can control the cost I don't think it's too much and I've asked a lot of people what they think I should be charging to to, to arrive at that cost um a lot of people think I should be charging more but like I say I don't want to make it pay to play and we've got 30 patrons at the moment and I think we're having a, I think we're having a, a a good time of it I've opened a discord which um I've got and no if people, people listening want to join your community how how do they go about doing it uh, you can message me on Twitter. There's a link in my bio. It's patreon.com forward slash onwards AOS. <laughs> what a pretentious twat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there you've, we've got like um, in the Discord, like I run like monthly list challenges. The first one, for example, is I've written a Nighthawk list because like a meta relevant problem. And the challenge is to create the best counter to that list um so we can get everyone discussing you know nighthawk counters for the month and then the best one gets to cream me on tts hopefully um so i get to learn a bit about tts oh that and sounds good oh that's a good idea yeah it's yeah so well i think to myself how do we teach people to um recognize a problem in the meta and then go about solving it right so it, we can't do it with just one person's opinion. So it's best to get loads of different people's opinions in a pot. And then I'm going to get someone else to to choose. Maybe you'd like to do it, Alex, if you don't mind reading their explanations of why they think they're so good. Um, mm-hmm. If I pick it, I'm just going to pick the one that I can beat, right? Because I fucking hate losing. <laughs> <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't gathered that at all, Darren. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that, Darren. I didn't realise you were doing that on your Patreon because that's what I've been doing all week is trying to write anti-night haunt lists. Wow, you're welcome to join, Owen. The minimum is £5 a month. I think it's... Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's a very relevant um, at the moment. Yeah, they're um, they're a yeah. good army. Um, well, what, what good in- Alex, I think it's going very well. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, I'm very glad to hear. I think it's really useful. So, if people want to join, there you go. Go and go and join Darren's community, and uh, maybe you'll get to play him on TTS. Um, <laughs> but enough of us chatting. Let's. And we just heard him get in, so that was a good segue. It's only the sexy sock seductor himself. You can find him at <clears throat> who has the sexiest socks question mark on Instagram. He's <laughs> at OJ180 on Twitter. It's the Owen Jackson. Hi, Owen. Hello. Happy Sunday. Happy mm. Sunday. We're recording this on Sunday morning in the UK, and it's actually hot already, which for everyone else listening around the world is like, like, who cares? It's UK hot, but. When the UK gets hot, it's a nightmare because mm. there's no aircon anywhere and we're just lame with heat. So, my, my right. segue, Alex, but you know that next weekend when I've grudged you round one, it's supposed to be 43 degrees and we're playing outside. You're yeah. joking. So, I'm going to melt your brain and your models. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I know. 43. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, our, our final guest, uh, who we've heard a bit of, will just be just laughing because this is nothing to him i'm sure (laughs) um but no um um, i'm very well thank you i had a very positive day yesterday where i'm i'm calling it cathartic day cathartic day 
Cathartic Day. A cathartic Saturday is called a cathartic day. Cathartic Day. Yeah, it sort of does. Because because you didn't go to a tournament? I didn't go to a tournament. What the I know, I know. It's great, actually. It felt weird for a bit, but it's great. Um, No, I basically just sort of got all my collection of stuff out and decided how much of it I'm going to sell or give away or, you know, consolidating down the collection, cleaning up my hobby room, sort of clearing out my brain a little. Um, Yeah, felt good. So that was my day. But in general, good. Yeah, had a really quiet week. I got COVID, which wasn't very good. Oh, no. um, and I did the world thing at, at, at uh, Rob Symes's, um, which was uh, his venue, which was great. Um, met some nice people and played some really tough games. And I got 100% more wins with Nagash than at the UK Championships. So that was good. Football. It was, it was still only two wins. Um, but um, yeah, so, but now heads in the new edition, which is quite bewildering. But um yeah, I would say ooh, 7.9 out of 10 this morning, uh, Alex. There you go. Very specific. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> that's me at the moment, which is and really was good. Your clearing up, was your clearing up successful? You're like, um, oh, who's the lady in the UK that does all the clearing up stuff? Uh, not Trini and Susanna, I hope. No, not Trini <laughs> and Susanna. <laughs> you, mean, you mean Marie Kondo? That's like, the one. That's the one. You Marie Kondoed yourself. I did. Marie Kondoing myself sounds like I've been doing something very different. But that's um, good. Well, I started off asking about the origins of Viagra at this point. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of, of it doesn't bring me joy. Couple of bloody knees. Yeah, a couple of bloody knees. Yeah, no, I've got a lot of stuff. You know what it's like. We love this hobby, and you go, ooh, shiny, and ah, oh, you go. Have you got tons good. of? Are you a hoarder? A are you a hobby bit, hoarder? Yeah. I'm currently like I'm looking to my left and I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen really useful boxes full of sprue. Um oh my and then, God. yeah. But I've also like listed a load of stuff on some chats and then people have been interested and I've gone uh, oh, some of it's broken and I've kind of changed my mind. So I'm having like, even before it's sold, I'm having like, you know, remorse. <laughs> I can't let go. I was going to, yeah, I might get rid of, I've got my original fantasy metal dwarf army, which I don't know. I think it might be nice to get rid of it, but yeah. So having a big clear out, um, just, oh, I put so many, I put all my white dwarfs in the recycling. I know that sounds terrible, but I ripped, I ripped all the uh, little articles or the paint guides that I liked. Um, but I tell you what, my favourite thing is, and people should definitely do this, is, and I'm, I'll, I'll stop rambling then. Um, my favourite thing at the moment in the hobby is when you know a new battle tome is coming out. I get the old one, and I love going down to the charity shop, and like it's almost like you're kind of, you know, you, you're just waiting for some. Like, so I basically I, I put all my old battle tomes and GHBs. I give them all to the charity shop, and I just imagine some little kid going down there and being like, "Oh, what's this?" And then, you know, being introduced to the world of Warhammer and um, and they're so that- going, "It's an extinct game, son. We're not getting this." <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the prices? <laughs> um, yeah. So that was that was my day yesterday. So I went and took more battle tomes to the charity shop, and uh, yeah, having a big clear out. So oh, you love yeah, having a nice time. Um, so, yeah. Con- Conda day. 
con condo no i can't do it i can't make one no. out of it i'm starting <laughs> some some volunteering down at the local st vinnie's i don't know if you guys have vinnie's at like salvation army mm-hmm. um, yeah, okay that sort of that sort of thing um this you week call it vinnie's is it salvation yes. army you guys call vinnie's no, we call st vinnie's St. Vincent's, St. Vinny's, uh, and we call Salvation was... Army Salvos. And Harold okay. Bishop was in the Salvos, if you yeah! like Neighbours fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting at the Vinny's this, this week. Is he in the sea, Harold Bishop? Did he have uh, a I think he's dearly departed, isn't he? It's got to be. <laughs> I know, oh, I used yeah, to I watch it, like, in the late 90s, and he was old then. Him and Lou were both old, so I don't know if they made it to the end. Um, oh. But, yeah, my, my wish is that, or my hope is, that um, while I'm there one day, just a, an old lead collection or an old white metal collection comes in. I mean, I'm happy to, to pay them, you know, eBay rates or retail mm-hmm. rates or whatever for it, but just being the, the person that opens that treasure trove oh. um, will be a reward in and of itself. I like that. So I started off thinking this is going to be a selfless story. <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> no See, when I have to on my hands this term. When I had a um, break just before uni, I had a a really large uh, dark elf um, collection from about fifth, sixth. Did you burn it in the garden? I didn't burn it. I didn't burn it in the garden. (laughs) And um, I went to uni and I wasn't that bothered. And my parents who were clearing stuff out just thought it was rubbish. They took it to the local Vinnies or whatever, the the local... um, uh samaritans so someone out there if you're listening got an absolutely incredible <laughs> collection for absolutely yeah. nothing which was fully it was yeah so good to kudos whoever's got that good job can i can i That's do great. one little request um yeah. before we go to our wonderful guest which is um if anyone finds can can people tweet the podcast uh with like their best charity shop find because like like sam says i've never found any maybe I've, the only thing i've ever found in a charity shop is like black library novels so you know ah. screw, screw that i found the um monopose second edition space marines i think um they used to come in like the painting sets the starter sets everyone mm, had them okay uh about 20 years ago so they're 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 the only thing that I've spotted so far, but we'll keep it. Right. Still floating about, but yeah, the best, best, um, best kind of like either car boot sale or or charity shop find. I, I would love to be really jealous of of, of that, but um, yeah, like stuff. Um, also, Owen, we're at three hundred eighty-seven followers, so you have one hundred thirteen <sighs> followers to go before okay. the socks are released on the yeah. world. <clears throat> okay, I can do this. It's fine. I've got some oh, time. Yeah, I yeah. like the socks Sam sent us in the WhatsApp. You'll have to send me some of those. Yeah, we'll, Sam. Yeah, we'll post. We'll post them on uh, online. Right. I, um, I did way chance? too many, way too many years of corporate. So I reckon I've got twenty pairs of flamboyant and ridiculous socks that you're just supposed to see poking out between mm. the dress shoe and the pants. <laughs> um, I might, I might get them out and take a group shot and, and send it to the pod, which I'm yeah. just about to follow on Twitter, which will get you one closer. Oh. Oh, As a rule, go. I don't like following things, <laughs> but I'm going to make, make an exception. <laughs> well, let's let's introduce those sultry tones. So, for those who don't know already, although most people listening probably do know who it is already, it's another Warhammer celebrity who, as we discussed before we started recording, has been on three, four shows. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a gentleman whose musings can be found etched onto the stones travelling through the outback. 
He's a home favourite chatting out of Australia from that's not a knife, this is a knife country. It's at AOS List Lab on Twitter, Age of Sigma List Lab on the YouTubes. It's Team Australia's Sam Morgan, everybody. Hi, Sam. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a, it's an honour. Where the oh, honours? Yeah, it's great. You have you have been doing a bit of a, a world tour of um, Age of Sigma content creators, haven't you? What was the last one? Weekly, wasn't it? You were on. Yeah, I jumped on jumped on with with Vince and Tom last week, which was really good fun to talk about my pet army, Skaven. The unfortunately, um, much much to my dismay, they're maybe a little too good at the moment. I like to. I like to play with the off-meta stuff, and I can see this game and being quite popular for quite a while. Hmm. Yeah, I've I've been looking at it myself, and this was really fun. And I saw your to to mention that I saw your tweet that you you saw daughters, and you were like, no, they're way too, they're way too good. They're gone, just gone. Yeah, that was that that was sad. I actually I was in this situation right. I had two daughters armies and one gloom spite army. So the reason I had two was I was I had this army to use while I was building my own army. So I bought a fully painted and built one second hand and, um, and yeah, got a, got a couple of practice games in with them and they're, they're fantastic army. They're just blenders. And in, in this, this current GHB, I think they're going to do particularly well uh, because that they have the capacity to, to run the, the veterans um, who can take out the opposing threats, but e- equally are quite durable themselves, so that there's less of a risk of having battle tactics or um, even scenario points scored against you for losing your your GVs. Um, but anyway, so I had the two two daughters of Cain army. I had one one Gloom Spite army, and I sold the built daughters of Cain. <laughs> the same day, I bought the Gloom Spite army. So I now have one daughter's army and two Gloom Spite army. So that's good. <laughs> Did the flip. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I saw lots of people. Most people were commenting about like, just the battle tactics for daughters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, stuff, ba- be- the battle tactics are comically easy. Like there's one of them, two units need to use the rule on their war scroll and there's no condition <laughs> for using the rule. Like oh, the heart renders one, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just automatically get it. And then the, the witch elves, you want them in combat. Uh, and then they, they've got an ability to pretty easily um, score some of the the ones from the GHB as well. So, yeah, it, come, it comes down to this point where you delete their army and um, you, you can reliably score five out of five. Um, my friend Marcella, who was on the US team, Little Marathi on Twitter, she's been to like, five events in the, the mm. last six weeks. She's doing her best Owen Jackson impression. And mm-hmm. um, every week she's just saying, got every battle tactic, got every battle tactic, got every battle tactic. And uh, over in the States, the price support is insane. So she's yeah. like, I think she's able to quit her job and just just live off the prices she's winning. <laughs> oh, can you? Oh, you yeah. can just get prize money. and Because I know the 40K pros. Like so much. Like, so it's, yeah. it's nuts. Yeah. Wow. What, okay. What Marcella gets for a one-dayer. Um, at like a battle bunker would be bigger than the prize you get for winning CanCon, the biggest event in the world. That's <laughs> <laughs> bonkers, isn't it? Yeah, that is nuts. Well, that's that's a good uh, lead in as we're talking a bit about strategy already. So for the, for those who didn't get my amazing uh, title, this episode is about strategy and um, it's about strategy in general. Uh, obviously, battle plans dictate things, lists dictate things, but just overarching strategy um, and last time, thank you for every, all of you that sent messages into the Miscast Pod, but also to uh, private Twitter feed. 
lots of people saying they found it really enjoyable to listen to our expert hosts and guests talking about what they do. So I think to kick us off, Sam, if we start with you, mm-hmm. um, strategy, just in general. Um, what what does strategy mean to you? Do you do you plan your strategies before every event you go to? Um, do you basically we talk about your plans? Your plans? How mm-hmm. how are you going to win the game? Um, mm-hmm. Is it something that has evolved over time for you, or do you find that actually you do very similar play styles? So actually, strategy for you now comes kind of second nature, or is it something you have to kind of work on? If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, a reasonably layered question, so I'll try and address as much of it as possible. But feel free to, to pull me <laughs> back on course if need be. Yeah. So. For me personally, um, I've had the the misfortune of oscillating between jobs, between project work, which I really enjoy, and then like strategic advisor, strategic leader, strategic planner work, which which is all about having a sense of what does your next horizon look like, whether that's three months, 12 months, three years, five years. It's going to vary depending on the size of the organization and the work, but it's really about setting some attainable goals and then working out a path in order to achieve those. And then understanding what the the risks are in in delivering on the work program, and and how you might mitigate those risks, and and how you might ensure that that you're going to succeed. So that to me translates directly into Age of Sigma. It's like, what's my path to victory? That's my objective. How am I going to win this? How am I going to win with this particular army? Uh, and then what are all the things that I need to be conscious of in terms of what are the armies in the meta that I'm likely to face? What are the scenarios from the GHB which I'm likely to play? Uh, what are the, the counters that exist to my list? What are the prevailing threats? And and, and doing that um, environmental scan. Uh, and then and once you understand that, then and playing to the strength of, of your book and your build. So um, for me, what I, what I try and do is determine that path to victory in as agnostic a way as possible. So that means that sometimes my path to victory might be by playing incredibly defensively and, and stopping my opponent from scoring, depriving them of whatever they're good at. Sometimes it'll be about running um, headfirst in and trying to kill their army. Uh, other times it, it might be about playing for a mid game or a late game. So determining that my army, um, for instance, Daughters of Cain, uh, my army becomes uh, buffed consecutively throughout the game uh, there's force multiplication happening in turns four and five. That's when I'm going to go and score. Um, and yeah, just it, it does certainly vary from from one list to the next. And we we're talking off air earlier about um, when you're introduced to the hobby and you might be at your local games workshop or you might be playing some thousand point games or whatever it might be. I, I think the natural inclination at that point is to have two armies charge headlong into the middle of the field and the win condition for both players is I'm going to nuke their stuff. Uh, and I, I feel like that win condition becomes more nuanced the, the the more you play and the higher you get through the table. So um, you might find once you're a little bit more experienced, you start to think, hang on a tick, I actually I don't, I don't want to sacrifice and trade because this person's army has more output, but I have more durability or I have more speed or I have more optionality and, and, you know, utilizing all of the, the things that you've got at your disposal rather than just trying to fight head, head first. Um, that becomes a really significant factor. Yeah. And I like the, the, the bit you mentioned about the environmental scan. It's similar to what Darren mentioned, um, last episode about, um, seeing kind of what the meta picks are and what kind of the best. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> deployment would be to go in to stop the dragons i think was the was the example mm-hmm. last time and mm-hmm. um, how are the best to do that so for for you those different play styles are you 
are you picking the playstyle before you pick the faction, or are you picking a faction and then coming up with a playstyle that fits your play, but also that faction? What's the order of that for you? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I, I, I think it it really varies from one book to the next. Sometimes you'll read a book and a particular unit will stand out and you'll say that that's what I'm going to build around. And um, the dragons are an obvious, an obvious example of that. Um, for, for Owen, it might be Nagash and your win condition might be how do I optimally use Nagash? And that's, that's things like um, at a micro level, it's like I need to get rerolled a cast so I can mitigate miscast. So I need that cog. So I'm not just buying Nagash, I'm buying Nagash and cogs. And then you'll say, well, actually, I also need the portal because I want the extra reach. Even if I don't intend on using Hand of Dust as a threat, what I want to do is create a buffer around my army, a zone where, where characters won't won't come in because they're they're scared of the threat of the Hand of Dust. Then what can I do um, to ensure that I've still got scoring units? So you start to look at, you know, well, is, is it worth going zombie spam or do I want to go more tech guard? And then you can look at what army you actually pivot into that way. Um, and and your, your whole your whole army is built around this win condition of either trading Nagash for a win or Nagash surviving long enough that you win because of his output. So um, that that's something that does also vary based yeah, on sure. army and, and based on the units at your disposal. Like I've run stuff in the past where not a single unit in my army was good individually yeah. but in chorus that there was this synergy going on and that that they're sort of able to support each other so um i think that's that's something worth worth exploring as well what are the force multipliers at my disposal um because it's it's not an aggregate thing with warhammer it's not like my um my aspiring champion who's an 80 point hero in my corn army uh, my aspiring champion is a five five wound uh, five wound four up save hero like on, on paper that that that's that's not a, a lot of inherent value, but when you factor in the plus one attack command ability he has, and the fact that that can then couple with other abilities, like there's multiple abilities for plus one to attack. And yeah. then you factor in that you might be running something like chaos Knights, and they've got two attack profiles, the horse and the rider, you, you know, all of this stuff, you're sort of building a bit of a layer cake. Um, and that that's part of the appraisal as well, because I think that's when you can find some of the hidden gems. And that's certainly um, in terms of Darren's discord and in terms of Darren's approach to list building, that's certainly one of the things that you'll, you'll see come through um, in terms <laughs> of, in terms of, you know, unearthing those, those hidden gems and utilizing them because sometimes it's how you spent the last 80 points or how you spent the last hundred points in your list. That ultimately is the difference between your game and your opponent's game. Yeah. Um, sure. It's also I, the most fun discovering those isn't it yeah certainly yeah. for for me <laughs> and you say so you say your I, I mean i've seen quite a few of your lists in, in throughout throughout the years sam and <laughs> um uh, did you think it's fair to say that you are one of these uh players that go for the kind of these synergy style um lists and therefore it your play is revolved around those kind of buff ranges and those kind of synergies and if so how did you find out that is what your play style is? Because lots of the questions we have been getting is, mm-hmm. well, I don't, I don't know if I'm an aggressive player or a defensive player or a reactive, et cetera, et cetera. So was, was there a moment for you that you suddenly thought, oh, this is, this is for me, this is what I'm good at? Yeah, it's not like an inherent thing. So it's just reps, just 
playing lots of games and and getting a feel for what I enjoy playing. And that's not to say as well that I haven't just run very point and click armies um, over a number of years. Like I've run, I've run some of the strongest builds in in, in multiple different systems unashamedly, uh, but I just <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it for like a prolonged time because I don't I don't find it as as engaging or as interesting. Yeah, sure. Darren, strategy, uh-huh. same question, I guess, to you. So um, your strategy is how you go about, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's pretty similar to um, Sam's in, in a lot of ways, um, but I know you mentioned a little bit about it um, in our deployment episode with your, as I said, like the environmental scans, but um, how do you go about kind of um, planning your strategy before you go to, I don't know, Worlds or any <laughs> big tournaments you go to? I try to make it as simple as possible <laughs> mm-hmm. i think um i think there's a lot of practice at the top sort of levels with the with the the minds that we've got in the scene um i think there's a lot of procrastination and there's a lot of overcomplication of 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 the game um so i'm a simple man so i i come up with simple plans they're the ones that um suit me best um i adhere to a couple of very um, core principles. Um, you'll hear me, you'll have heard me go on about them before, I'd imagine. Um, for an example, kill what you can. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when you're, uh, so target priority is, is um, mm-hmm. you know, what what's the first, uh, this sort of links in with what Sam was saying, the how do I get my path to victory? Um, I've got like a, a very simple plan in most cases, which will be my my order that I like to try and kill my opponent's pieces. So I'll start with quite often their support pieces. So they're, they're like five wound heroes that have got mm-hmm. one cast rather than trying to put all my damage into the, the screaming bell. You know, I'll, I'll try and kill the little, the little rats that are behind, behind the screaming bell um, because it has an immediate impact on the game and an immediate impact on your opponent. They're taking toys off. Um, I will then try and kill the <clears throat> the support units, you know. So that little unit of five, like um, or like that little unit of ten skinks that's holding an objective, you know. Once they're gone, people will often put. Well, it depends on what list they're running, but people will often have some low value minimum resource minimum resource units that are their their backfield protectors, um, and I've often. I've run a lot of armies that can summon or can teleport. Um, so if I can kill their 70-point skink unit that's holding that that home objective, later on I can teleport onto it. So it forces your opponent to put a bigger piece of their resources onto that objective um, if they want to hold it. Um, you know, if, if, you're, when I was, if I'm ever fighting more tribes, um, I'm trying to kill like the little three ogres, once mm-hmm. they're dead, they've then got to commit a stonehorn to go and look after the, that objective. Um, if they want to, if they want to keep it right, if you've got some teleporting threats. So that's just an example of the sort of impact that killing those little support units can have on a game, um, yeah, sure. which, which can be a lot bigger than if you were to just say, "I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start killing your your support pieces." Why are you Why are you targeting those those little bits? So you, I try to pick apart an army. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that is, uh, you know, just a very simple, <laughs> very simple ploy, right? Um, yeah, and, that, and in a game where, you know, obviously it's based on objectives, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you've got two stone horns, but there are six objectives, right? Mm-hmm. 
because mm-hmm. um, you've picked off the small the small units and the support units. And and is that always a way that you've approached this game? Or again, was there a was there no, like a, a moment no. that I think it, it definitely comes with experience. Like I, I did try to overcomplicate it in my my youth. I'd spend hours, you know, thinking about all these really complicated plays, which is where my love of making complicated lists sort of comes up. But I think when it boils down to it, you're just trying to make the simplest plans are the easiest to run. And you can then just sit back and watch your opponent try and unfold their super complicated plans. Uh, the more the more cogs you put into a machine, then the, the more can go wrong. Is that the law of entropy? Is that right? <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> down, down you guys, I'm not a learned the, man, and then he just starts <laughs> dropping. <laughs> dropping it in. I'm from Australia, Darren. We can't confuse him like that. Um, but yes, I, I think... Oh, go on. I think to Darren's point, there there is this general notion, right, that that you have depleting resources as the game moves on so you, you you both obviously start off with your armies and you set up and you deploy and that's a discrete phase of you know this this setup set up for the for the game we're both trying to execute then you have this mid game um where you're you're following your plan and you're both actually trying to both win the game yourself and stop your opponent from winning concurrently and then mm-hmm. at the end of the game there's this sort of scramble for points but what we're seeing at the moment with with armies like beasts of chaos soul blight Nurgle, Legion of the First Prince, Seraphon, that, that there's this there's this incredibly um, valuable uh, strategy that you can employ, which is around late game scaling and having summoning in your army actually, instead of depleting, getting larger as, as the yeah. game plays out. And, <laughs> and I'm sure Owen experienced this with his world build. You just sort of swarm the board. Your, your opponent's losing units while you're gaining units and the disparity just becomes massive. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I play into that play style. Like I used to play branch wraith summoning mm-hmm. builds. You know, mm-hmm. throwing dryads around the board. I love recursion, and yeah, I, I, I always, whenever I play an army that doesn't have summoning, um, I mean, I think rally maybe mitigates that a little bit now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, whenever I play armies that don't summon, I'm a bit like, wow, yeah, yeah. I, you, I think you have to play a unless they're super powerful armies that, you know, maybe alpha strike armies or whatever, but I think you have to play really well with those armies that scale down rather than scale up. So it's mm-hmm. the, the summoning crutch is real. Um, yeah. I, 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 I love it. It's a bit it. too much. I feel at the moment, but I'm beast is mad. Yeah. Beast is yeah. nuts, especially into the new edition with the fact that you can summon Galatian veterans onto the board. Hmm. Like, um, yeah, they're in a really good, a really good place. Um, is why you put them in a box they're too good now you're just a sadist aren't you Are <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i'm quite glad you mentioned um you said the words late game scaling uh sam uh because i mean i i play and watch a lot of league of legends um mm-hmm. and a lot of the strategy in that game albeit it's a it's esports rather than tabletop um, but a lot of the overarching strategy for those teams is revolves either a very strong early game, so get in, literally blitz your opponent. I guess a bit like an alpha in our in our game, um, or go for this late game scaling um, and uh, as these strategies. And so I guess it, that might well be transferable to ours. Whether you play these, you know, these alpha style, really aggressive, really essentially. Blitz your opponent early, 
win the game within the turns one to two or actually play these late game scaling ones where actually you just out trade because you have more units into four or mm-hmm. five. Um, and so that's that part of this environmental scan you were talking about, right? That actually you feel that the games in that kind of late game state, uh, late game scaling stage, God, that's a hard sentence to say. Uh, and so actually maybe people's strategy should be looking towards the kind of that late game. Do you think, is that fair to say? It's interesting because there's three separate ways to score. So you can score based on the metrics of the particular mission. So one, two more or whatever it might be. And then you can score your battle tactics and then you can obviously score your grand strategy. So it sort of is going to vary from, from one matchup and one mission to the next. But if you're if you're keeping an eye on depriving it at least a couple of early game battle tactics for your opponent uh, and and keeping an eye on what their grand strategy is and and often when you're playing a game your opponent will say to you in turn four so they've got two two turns left or oh, what was your grand strategy again and it's like you actually need to be thinking about that a lot earlier particularly if there are units that you can be prioritizing or targeting to mm-hmm. to, to score it and um you, you'll often have this situation where even if you're behind on points, and this was particularly true when I was playing Seraphon, you'd be behind on points early in the game, but you would know I'm going to table this person turn three and then I'm going to score my battle tactics four and five. I'm getting my grand strategy and they're not, and I'm going to hold all the objectives those turns. So I'm, I'm going to win this even though I'm behind early. Um, and and for, for some armies, they, they don't have that. Like Iron Jaws need to score their points early because once once they're dead, they're, they've got no no avenue yeah. to no avenue to score. So yeah, it, it does really vary. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting that I like the the point you made about the grand strategy as well. Like when I'm going back to the beasts that I took to Worlds, um, you know, I played a lot of practice games and people were you know didn't maybe talking about the grand strategy denial turn three, but mm-hmm. nearly every single game my opponents even though i was surreptitiously distributing tokens because i was playing predators domain so yeah uh, sure you know most um you know uh, you know controlling all the terrain and mm-hmm. i was i had these little surreptitious sort of whales tokens that i would distribute out onto the pieces of terrain as i took them and um you know not calling out what they were i don't know if that's naughty or whatever but anyway um and um yeah like I'd probably say five out of six games, my opponent was gunning for that grand strat turn one, even like, you know, mm-hmm. um, so definitely it's, it's, it's that kind of um, environmental scan. I really like that term, you know, in terms of, you know, the environment of the meta, but also, you know, in game, the in game mm-hmm. scan, like understanding what your opponent's uh, pieces are and what his or his or her route to vi- victory is. Um, and then, building that denial strategy like i think the strategy of denial is massive and that's why i think that conversation around white dwarf and battle tome battle tactics is an interesting one because mm-hmm. you need to understand what your opponent's trying to do in order to be able to deny it so there's a lot of you know a lot of planning um, and a lot of knowledge that you need to build on on you know all the armies and how they want to win the game yeah, and I know, I know we're not critiquing the game design, but there, there's nuance in the language as well. So understanding when it says starting army, understanding when it says mm-hmm. something like, for instance, Ideneth have a battle tactic. Ideneth units kill two uh, enemy units. Well, if you've allied in dragons or if you've allied in whatever 
and they're the ones that are doing the killing. That doesn't count towards the battle tactic. And there's a level of nuance there, which are, which I think is just p- purely preparation and practice. They're the only ways you're gonna uh, you're gonna actually have that that information. And, yeah. and for me, I, I just jump on Wapedia. Like I jump on Wapedia at the start of the game, and I go, oh, okay, yeah. I'm playing against Cities of Sigma. They're going to have a turn where they can put two standard bearers within an inch of, a, of a, an objective and get a free battle tactic. And if they've got flagellants, I might target them turn one, even though they're hopeless, because yeah. that they give they can get a free battle tactic by getting onto a, a, an objective in the opposing mm-hmm. territory. So I know straight away those are the two things that I need to remember. That's the mental load on top of the ones I already know for myself because I get to use them. Um, and de- depending on the level of play, those might be written down. So I've got the the thing to to jog my memory. Um, or like we're early on in a season at the moment and if they're only going to be six-month seasons, I, I may not even memorise them by, <laughs> by December. So I might just have that page of the GHB open uh, just to give me the mental cues. Mm. And are you finding the... Um the the different battle tactics for the different factions you're facing cha- ever change your overarching strategy very much or do you just end up tweaking it slightly uh sam for that yeah look it's a, it's it's an interesting question i i do find for armies that are able to achieve them and some armies like for instance fire slayers i think have six battle tactics um, which it's that that's really hard to 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 try and prevent six battle tactics plus the however many in the book. Um, it, it, there's just too many things going on there. So in some instances, the better option is just to focus on scoring your own. So what? what how can I optimally try and score my own and, and hope that through depleting their army um, in, in the later turns four and five that it might become difficult for them to to score them? And like in the current book, one of them is that your general kills a unit. So if their general is a support character, they're, they're probably not going to achieve that so you can strike it out. Or if you have an opportunity to kill their general before they achieve that one, you can strike it out and you can start to do like a, um, a process of elimination. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once you get them down that they don't have five that they can complete in total and you think that you can complete all five, you, you know you're going to be at an advantage there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Owen, <clears throat> we mentioned a bit about your... Um, your your love for the the kind of late game scaling type lists mm. and i know and people that know you um we take the piss out of you all the time for it but you get a hell of a lot of reps in or have had a hell of a lot of reps over the last few years um for people either getting into it or people trying to go to tournaments you have you found um things to uh, or ways of winning the game that have changed for you since you started because I know the last few years you've been really, you know, playing a lot of games. There can't be many people in the world who've played a lot more. Yeah, singleton life is real, yo. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, it's a funny one, really. Like, I, I Sam, uh, well, everybody talking has kind of sparked a few, a few, a few thoughts. And much like how I think about the game, I did do some notes and I did do a bit of pre-planning. Uh, for the for this episode um and i think um i would just like my ideas on strategy and maybe i don't think anything has changed in how i approach the game i've just got better at it both on the table and off the table so i would say that my strategy is very much about uh front-loading information like much like sam described what he does for work is uh, there are some parallels with what i do in terms of 
project management and strategy and art direction and stuff like that. So like I I have kind of like a <laughs> I've kind of broken it down to like a four point plan. So Oh, love it. Love a good four point plan. So I've got four four kind of key tenets of like how I approach the game, which is basically um understand, uh plan, practice and consume. Um <laughs> so effectively um much like the um the sort of the scan as it were you whenever when you use that term sam it made me think of uh in the one of the new alien film what was it prometheus where they like go and they go and scan the alien ship they kind of throw this drone thing up in the air and then it zooms off kind of like you know laser scanning the whole the whole ship and coming back with a big schematic i think you need to do that for the game really you need to you just call sam a drone is that what you just done no i didn't say sam would be the drone (laughs) controller who's then processing all the information not the drone not the big not the big board alien <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, no. Sam would have built the amazing alien spaceship that the drone is scanning. E. Um, oh, I see. Actually, nice. I think I think Sam would have built the counter to the drone. You yeah. would be able to scan him. Oh, right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, um, turn. <laughs> so essentially, I I think that you know for for the understanding part, you need to like understand the assets that that your um. Uh, disposal so your army and you need to understand like the arena of battle so you need to understand the game the missions um you know all the tactics all the things that have been touched on by the other guests so um i would say that understanding your assets from the understanding phase is like you need to get off book you need to you know learn your army you need to know what things hit and wound on obviously there are things like monster bracketing and the odd weird clutch you know corner spell that you might never cast but fundamentally you need to know exactly what your army does um and then you can be creative with it it's like you know i thought of the analogy of like an artist you know jackson pollock didn't start painting by like you know dribbling paint over in that sort of chaotic manner you know he would have started at art school where he was doing life drawing and you know drawing bowls of fruit and drawing the you know naked form you know like he got all of his core fundamentals in place and that then allowed him to, you know, um, show off his creativity. So like getting off book, having all those tools and then being able to think about strategy on the table is really important. Um, And then on the sort of arena side of things, you need to learn the missions inside out really, I would say. And that only comes from practice. Um, You know, I've trying to get my head around the new GHB. I've been, you know, listening to some podcasts and, um, you know, I watched... What the- other podcasts? How dare know, you, Owen? The outrage, the outrage. Um, and I, but I've kind of learned that I there's only so much theory I can take on board. I, I need to play games. But de- definitely understand your army, understand the missions, try and understand what type of army you like, you know, understanding the meta as well. I mean, there's a lot there, but basically you need to tool yourself up. You need to give yourself like the ammo to, 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 to succeed, you know, knowing threat ranges, knowing key pieces, much like what Darren talked about, you know, knowing the, the little support heroes or perhaps the little bits of chaff, which are going to help, you know, their opponent in the late game, basically understanding. Then you need, to and this is a little bit more holistic but you need to like create like a bedrock for your success so like when you go to tournaments like think about logistics 
think about somewhere like travel, make it, make it nice accommodation, you know, have a hotel just down the road that has breakfast. I know this sounds, Ooh, I love silly. outside factors. Owen. I'm I love so this. triggered this... right now. I'm, I'm, my blood is boiling, <laughs> <laughs> which, which would have been really helpful when I was having cold showers at top hotel. Praha. Oh, no. <laughs> Whilst myself and the Welsh team were being serenaded by, you know, like, live piano as we dined oh, i saw this video i'd love it if you post it for for listeners but there, there's a video of team wales where they were it was a proper vibe man our hotel was where they filmed amadeus which was the mozart film from the 1980s mm-hmm. i don't know if anyone watched that it was it was lovely anyway but no the all of that outside stuff you know um i think i don't want to talk too much but basically i think that i'm uh, if I was to appraise the way that I think about the game and my my strengths as a gamer, like before I start rolling dice, I'm like a ten. When the game starts, I'm like a six or a seven, and then it evens out to about an eight. Like I'm a good four-one player. I know where I'm at, and a lot of that comes from all this pre-stuff. So yeah, all the things to do with you know planning. Like I've got you know have a good case for your models. You know print off your own score sheets, have your dry dice and your tray, like uh, have a system. Like, I don't know if I've done some stream games and stuff, but when you watch me play on stream, like my dice and my tokens and everything are always in exactly the same place. And it feels weird when I'm not like that. Everything is off to my right. And I have these kind of like, it's very Tony know, Moore-esque going. It is. Same, yeah. It? yeah. I've learned from Tony as well, you know, in terms of, you know, taking notes and, I've got my I've got my own bespoke score sheets with all of the battle tactics written out in with tick boxes and if there's an extra VP available for doing it with a monster from last season they would be bolded whereas the other ones are are light mm-hmm. and at the start of every game I would just sit there and cross right they've got no monsters bring it down that's out um you know they yep. uh I don't know it's a really small deployment zone so I'm going to just put a question mark on whether I'm going to be able to get savage spearhead you know take for example first blood always had that little l shaped deployment zone and without a teleport it would be like right am I going to be able to get in there and obviously summoned units couldn't get savage spearhead etc cetera, etc cetera. so have your system set yourself up for success like have a plan for your deployment Maybe there's an episode of a podcast you could listen to. If you yeah, I don't to, know. I don't you know, know who's done it recently. Yeah, I'm hmm. not sure. Like prep all that up. And then from that point on, then you just like play the game. And playing the game leans into my third point, which would be practice. So, you know, the more that you play, the more that you know the rhythm of your army, you get faster, your magic phases, you become clearer in your thinking, you know where to put your buffs, you know your auras. Like I think and my – str- sorry, go ahead. So, and orders, your order of things. Yeah, that. exactly. Your sequencing and all this stuff becomes, and the shape of your army, the, the, the visual of it. It's like, oh, yeah, this feels good. I've got all my stuff to one side. I've got, you know, I'm set. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and then uh, consume. I, I think, you know, there's lots of good stuff out there. If you want to learn, if you, you think to yourself, okay, my mate plays corn, my other mate plays Caradron Overlords, and then if that fella down the club that I play once a month, like he only ever plays Stormcast. It's like if you don't play a, a wide variety of armies, then, you know, consume these Battle Tome reviews. You know, there's three to four hours worth of content out there per, you know, like a, a an Honest Wargamer or a Warhammer Weekly or, or a List Lab. Shout out, Sam. Um, you know, nice. there are, I can't. You know, lean into these people, you know, like I learned loads from from other people who are more who are better than me at the game. 
Um, and then the last thing I would say is, and I was chatting to my mate Cole about this yesterday, but another part of my strategy is like do other things as well. Like obsession and pressure aren't very good. Like you can go too deep down the rabbit hole um, <laughs> and it can become a little bit toxic. And I, and, and I found that like I had at the end of the season, I had a couple of tournaments after Worlds that I didn't really enjoy. Um, yeah. And then I went to the Worlds last week with a much different attitude. And I was like, you know, cool. I'm going to get Nagash off turn one with long strikes. How poetic that my last game of the edition is that. And, and you know, I had a great time. So I definitely think, um, you know, getting away from, from screens and, and, models and all this sorts of stuff um is actually really really helpful um you know and if you're having a shit time with the game like talk to your friends about it and you know get a different perspective that's my that's my strategy and then from that point on it's creative problem solving mitigating dice and giving your opponents uh puzzles to solve i always think that i play quite high drop armies so i'm always set my castle up set them up mm-hmm. with a puzzle how much are you going to come forward? And then from that point on, you know, I'm that reactionary player that, that, that then uh, I, 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 I work off what my opponent is giving me. I don't, I don't go in and, and, and blow them off the table. And then I use summons um, and recursion and tricks to then give me a little edge in the late game. Um, so your, your strategy is to react to what they're doing, essentially. Generally, yeah, because... Oh, I like playing castle builds and I like, yeah, I, I think understanding what you like is another thing. I don't really, I, I, it's, it's, I think Darren did a really interesting set of articles a while ago on the, um, honest war gamer about, you know, understand people understanding your play style. And, you know, that's a huge part of strategy. Like there's no point in chopping and changing armies and chopping and changing lists. If you don't really know, you know, what you like, um, but yeah, definitely, I'm that reactive counter style. I've got three three points from listening to you, Owen. If I if I may, yeah, please, yeah, go on. So your first point about having all your tokens in place and being all super prepared, and um, I have tried to be that player for fucking years because I absolutely that is the player I want to be, but I am just not organised, and I find. When I've had all my tokens about and I've focused on putting my tokens down, I'm not focusing on the game because I've got a scatty as fuck brain. So for people out there, just, you know, if you're not wired that way, then that potentially that's okay. Because I think I've accepted that about me. I'm not a particularly organized gamer. I'm not ever going to be able to, um, I'm I'm just not ever going to be able to do that. Um, and I've accepted that. And my games recently have been more relaxed without me trying to become someone I'm not. So mm. that's just that's just one thing. I don't I don't think you have to be like that. No, no, no. If you're no. inclined, it's absolutely a massive advantage. But I don't think it's um wise. to clarify. Yeah, sorry, I I I, I should maybe temper my, my no 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 only in such that I understand that that's what makes me successful, and yeah. I don't. You know, yeah, so just going to the point about what armies people like yourself. to play, I don't want people, you know, there's no point in me, you know, if we came on the podcast and went like Iron Jaws are the best, everyone has to play Iron Jaws. Some people wouldn't enjoy it because it's not their play style. But all I'm 
with with my kind of plan, it's more that I understand that that's what makes me successful. So I yeah, I yeah. Need so to understand act. understand yourself. So that yeah. that's that's the first point. The second point you you mentioned um, that you you love playing all these these castle builds. I would really recommend like playing something completely different so that you understand how you can maximize your chances against it. Um, so I, I would just you know. That's Pales exactly it. what I'm doing, Darren. Perfect, you know, perfect. I've, I've, yeah, that's a really good point. Again, I, I'm <laughs> watching people play like Eidneth Deepkin, for example, and like, you know, they're so fast, you know, with the sharks and the eels and the king, like watching back some of the footage of, say, someone like um, Mike Stewart, who took Eidneth recently, or, or my teammate Dan Arnold. <laughs> I'm looking at the table like, what the fuck? There's not a block of troops on your home objective and it's worth four points to your opponent. Like, what are you doing? But that yeah. that kind of aggro play style, um, you know, and pinning them in, etc. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. You don't have to like it, but you can learn oh, yeah. how to break it, right? Um, yeah. And then my third point is on consume. I'm super disappointed you didn't just say take purple sun. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> purple sun, purple sun, right? <laughs> and incarnate. Um, You've got incarnate as well. I've um I've 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 played with uh you know Nagash Hand of Dust um for a long enough that um yeah mm-hmm. I'm going to let everyone else have their auto kill fun for a little bit. Ah. <laughs> good, 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 good. I I think singles playing singles Warhammer so one v one is lots of fun and singles tournaments are fantastic. But the, those two units highlight the the value of a team's landscape, don't they? And just yeah, that, yeah. that added level of puzzle solving and, and only having a one in eight chance of, of coming up against them. Uh, Alex, I've, I've sent you through my during game sequencing chart on the, um, on the Twitters. So you can, Ooh, oh, know, you can have a look and retweet that if you, if you please. And it's, um, to Owen's earlier point, because I think what Owen said, and this is going to distill it down to like a very brief sentence, is understanding yourself. So I'm I'm similar to him. I, I gain a lot out of um, being planned and prepared, and I gain a lot out of having visual reminders. So mm. I've sent through the tokens there, which emulate the the ones that you use on TTS. And um, I yeah. find on TTS, I've always got a really clear game sense because it's top down. And mm-hmm. because everyone has tokens attached to units to to say what their buffs were. And um, I've color-coded mine. So I've got yellow for heroic actions, red for debuffs, and then green for buffs. And, um, I, yeah, I, I find that to be incredibly valuable as well. And I also get really frustrated um, when my opponent seemingly has moving buffs that are that are where, where they need to be at a particular <laughs> point in time, regardless of who may have cast them or, or, or shoot them. Yeah, um, no, that, that, is, that is an issue, isn't it? And, and, and sometimes that's inadvertent as well, I should say. Sometimes you say, I'm, I'm pretty sure I cast Mystic Shield on them it makes sense and then you're like oh actually maybe i didn't um <laughs> and just yeah the, the thing about balance i think actually genuinely makes you a better player um and as important and fun as warhammer is to me in my life um i certainly perform better when i've got other things going on um and, and when i'm when i'm not uh, you know a slave to this and 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 sort of doing it because i'm obliged to i'm doing it because it's fun and because i'm finding it relaxing and enjoyable yeah, it should add to your life, shouldn't it, rather than yep. being your life. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've I've th- I've seen that picture, Sam. That's that's great. So anyone listening, I will retweet um 
Sam's um, <clears throat> picture with his colour coding on our uh, at Miscast Pod Twitter feed. So if you want to have, take, uh, have a look, check that out. That's great. Um, for both of you talking a lot about tokens and, and prep, um, and Darren's mentioned this before, that some, some people we play against get a lot of decision paralysis. Have you ever found that this prep, this meticulousness of trying to think of every kind of possible combo and everything else, has that ever disadvantaged you when you're trying to win the game? Has that ever been a disadvantage? I'll start with you, Sam. Has that ever, has that ever affected you negatively? Do you think where you thought, oh my God, I can do all these things, but I have no idea what to do now? Yeah, and that, this again is where the um, the the chess clock and playing within uh, a confined time um, I think in making real-time decisions is actually a really valuable skill to develop. Um, I've, I've played a lot on um, Tabletop Simulator and it's not uncommon for the game to drag on for four and a half or five hours. <laughs> um, and it's also not uncommon for the peanut gallery to be feeding information through a WhatsApp to say, have you thought of X, Y, or Z? And that that's not a real representation of an on-the-table game with a, a fixed amount of time. So um, certainly for me, it's like, what are the big decisions I need to make during the game? And this is to, to Darren's earlier point, keep it simple. What are the big things I need to get right? And let's focus on getting them right. And then the peripheral things, I'll, I'll try my best, obviously, but they're, they're going to have less of an impact. So try and also mean they have less mental load uh, because every decision you make is is obviously uh, an opportunity for you to make a mistake and then your opponents capitalise on that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we... I want to talk a bit about kind of play styles a bit. We have mentioned a lot of it already, Darren, if I start with you. Mm-hmm. Um, people go into it thinking they need to play a certain way and often, uh, well, maybe this is generalising a bit, but uh, for those who haven't seen, shout out to uh, to the T-Sport Network guy, uh, guys um, who showed lots of the matches from the Worlds. Um, but you see lots of people, or I'd say less experienced people, doing lots of headlong flinging into, and it's kind of that games workshop start back to when you first learn throw stuff in. Um, your play style is, would you say, you said it was proactive before, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so quite- I, I'm not a very, oh, go on, sorry. No, 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 please, please go. go. Oh, well, I'm not particularly patient, and I know that about myself. Um, so I, I, there's no point in me castling up. I'll castle up in deployment, but it's very much to to explode out. <laughs> and if I if I'm all up in my opponent's grill because I'll, I'll try and play aggressively, um, they're under pressure, and I'm hopefully not under pressure. And again, it goes back to a very simple thought for me: is in any game, your dice will fuck up, or your opponent's mm-hmm. dice will fuck up. In all situations, that's better on their objectives rather than your own. So I just I like I'm more comfortable being being a proactive player. Um, I'm more comfortable asking the questions rather than answering them because I'm not very good at answering the questions. <laughs> I'm so much you, better at posing them. <laughs> yeah. So you you so your your strategy your win your kind of game plan is actually you know I want to be asking them as many questions because you don't think for yourself that actually you being reactive would lead you to victory that much. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I can, I can, I can recognise when that isn't going to be particularly useful. So I'm, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was playing the Russian champ uh, Philip mm-hmm. on TTS, and he had the old uh, Zinch. Uh, was it the, ch- the old change host? The one 
but they could, I think it was the, not the very old change host, but the second iteration of them. Um, and I, it was my first TTS tournament. It was one of Owen's tournaments. And I'd just taken an army that had no wizards, no shooting. So it was just very basic, you know, move and fight. So it was two Phoenixes, I think 70 to 90 Phoenix Guard. And we're playing that long, that long mission, um, whatever it was called back in the day. Um, and my first turn, he gave me the first turn, obviously, because he's hoping to get a double and he's looking to deny the double, you know, the classic stuff. So I didn't move. My, my first turn was, right, your turn. <laughs> yeah. Because being aggressive in that situation, he would have been able to shoot the crap out of me. Earlier on in the tournament, I'd played a, a Zinch guy, a guy that had this wonderful chariot build, and I think he killed 50 Phoenix Guard in my first turn. I was like, fucking hell, Zinch are absolutely cooked. Um, so I was very... And then it, I'd created, so in doing that, even though I wasn't being particularly aggressive, et cetera, I had asked the first question, which was, are you willing to come into my charge range with your shooting and allow me to, to potentially get a, a, t- a turn into you? Um, but he hadn't, um, he hadn't really figured that out. So he didn't commit early enough, I thought. And then in the second priority, I won it and I gave it away. Mm-hmm. so and then that happened for four turns and then it suddenly dawned on him in turn five that i'm gonna have to now make a move mm-hmm. um so he he did he teleported his 90 uh, 30 horrors onto my objective he took my took my middle objective so it's the one where the objectives get more and more as the the game goes on right yeah so he in this whole game he'd managed to make one play because he was scared of my double turn because i kept winning priority and giving it away to him um and then what happened was my 30 Phoenix Guard, like, killed all his pink horrors, but made, like, just got into the brims, let's say. So then in my turn, I managed, with my, uh, with my Phoenix, Phoenix, uh, not Phoenix Guard, yeah, Phoenix Guard that are on the flanks, they charged the centre um, horrors, but they charged forward. So I was using the charge phase as a movement phase, let's say. So they were only tagging the sides on each flank, but going straight towards his objectives. My centre unit finished off the horrors, so then I was able to then pile in three inches towards his home objectives. And then I won the turn five priority and managed to get my 60 Phoenix Guard onto his home objectives. So he burnt my middle one and got his one point, but I'd burnt my two that I kept for eight points and two of his points for a point each and in his turn he could only burn one for eight so i'd won the game (laughs) by not moving for four turns basically so it's a very did did that all make sense because i i'm not yeah 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 no no absolutely yeah Um, because we mentioned before remember in the deployment episode about people find it very hard against shooting armies um and they think oh my god i've got to do something now 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 and actually we mentioned before that well leo talked about when he won a game just by standing still and getting shot off which yeah. <laughs> isn't necessarily the most <laughs> enjoyable gaming experience uh, but still won because they were shooting him and taking his models off but he was just stood there so don't you don't have to make moves that are going to be to your disadvantage you don't um you don't always have to do anything do what your opponent doesn't expect so i I think philip was like it's turn three are you really not going to move again i was like 
yeah, because me moving gives you an opportunity to win. Me staying still means you've got to risk something. So even though on paper my army looked complete dog shit against this change host army, I'd managed to deploy and play in such a way that I'd mitigated the the all the advantages that that they'd had, and it it did require me getting a double into you know into turn five. But that if that's my only way to win, then 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 you do it. So you so you try and ask, <laughs> try and play in a way that your opponent doesn't expect. <laughs> it's interesting that like um you've made me think of i played in a very similarly um kind of uh regressive way against mike stewart um the other weekend um he was we played on the vice and my strategy going in was um he's got four sharks six eels volturnus a king and two units of thralls and we're playing on the vice so it's going to be hard for him to get battle tactics because he's got no monsters. And I kind of went through it in my mind and had a think. And I had obviously a hundred zombies in the gash. Now, four sharks and a king will just bang off. You know, you, he could take those zombies off as soon as he wants. So I, my plan was my, like what you've described, Darren. And I think it was still, I think I, I still needed to move a bit. But basically, I didn't move for three turns. And I just got my battle tactics, put my buffs up. Every turn, I just put six arcane bolts on the gash with a screen that was not... It screened him out so that if you charged into the 20 zombies, then you'd be within three inches of the gash at any yeah. point. So I'm just going to bolt off the king or bolt off whatever comes in. Yeah. Um, now, I think perhaps... And all the while, I was spectral grasping his boat so that he, I was half moving his stuff that was near his boat, um, which held him back a little bit. But he was inching forward, inching forward, um, and picking things off with the shark shooting, which was still quite good. Um, but they, uh, that that I then <laughs> the irony was then that I I played to win turn four prior. This was my whole plan. You know, I won actually won turn three prior. Didn't move into him just so he couldn't strike first because what's the point? So it, we had this re- much like you, you guys have played the vice, you know, it can be a bit of a Mexican standoff for a while. And then it was like, he brought his eels in on turn. Uh, he brought six eels and two sharks into Nagash or just outside of Nagash into my screens on turn three. Um, he blew them up. Um, and then it was like turn four prior. I, I played to win turn four prior. And then it's go time. I'm going to put 60 zombies on the middle objective and fight his thralls and his um, his characters and two of his sharks, and then I'm going to blow up six sharks. Uh, sorry, six eels and two sharks. Um, and and guess what happened? First spell after winning turn four prior. Um, you miscast, didn't you? I did miscast. Now I don't <laughs> want to blame it on miscast, <laughs> but you know, like plans. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I think. I still got my battle tactic, but then the sharks, two sharks did 12 damage to Nagash on my turn, yeah. which was horrible. Maybe. maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should have just retreated away. But you've <laughs> got to do something with your thousand-point model, right? You know, you can't. So I think playing that regressive style and, you know, it goes to the episode, you know, the strategy. Like, I kind of understood what my overall strategy was for the first four turns, which was basically stand there, get my buffs up hide my characters so you can't shoot them off and then push at a turn four. Um, that being said, maybe I should have pushed some screens up a little bit 
um, pushed him back a little bit. But no one's perfect, mate. Don't beat yourself up. No, but I think having definitely, I think another thing we've talked a lot about pre-game, but post-game, it's really good. I mean, having some games streamed is helpful, but mm-hmm. doing the Tony Moore notes, or even just like I keep because I print off my own bespoke. Um, score sheets I, every time when I get home from a tournament my Monday morning is coffee and then I get the score sheets out and I look I'm like oh I basically did these three battle tactics every to every game for the you know and then these were my ones which I you know the killing ones uh, which I then did later so I think whilst there's great amount of you know pre that you can do definitely that 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 reflection on the train on the way home and and you know the next day maybe having a chat with a pal who was there at the tournament um you can get a lot out of um out of that i don't know how reflective you guys are alex one thing what's your strategy i want to hear i think the people want to hear from you as well um Mm, what what, nice Owen. Yeah, oh, no, one, no one wants to listen to me, Owen, talking yes, all the nonsense. Do. You're just um, as much of a star as any, if any of us are stars. Strategy. Then. I mean, so very briefly, the, the, the time I played my most tabletop was 6th and 7th edition Warhammer to start with. Okay. Although, I glorious. Guess I got back into, I know, Halcyon, glorious. Halcyon days gone by. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there were fantastic times, although uh, for those who don't know, it was very heavily dominated by a few... Um, a few uh, tomes, I should say. So it was the era very, of... Uh, very heavy metal models as well. Everything was very heavy metal that. models, very uh, <laughs> demon and dark elf dominated, uh-huh. let's put it that yep. way. Yep. So uh, if you Google back to, oh God, what was it, Sam? 2012, 2011 mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. roughly? Vampires, dark elves and demons were all on like 70%. They didn't do stats back then, but they were all in the 70% range, I reckon. If they did stats, it would literally just look demons and dark elves just everywhere. And so if you look at the top 10 from 2012 GWGT, I think it was literally uh, first, second, third were all demons, all the same demon list. And then fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh was dark elves, essentially. So it sounds awful. It sounds awful, but it was fun. We had a break. Oh, what else? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was... was Pretending that I was meta breaker, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason I bring all that up is because I, as I mentioned with my collection that went to some lovely person out there for free, not that bitter, um, is I play Dark Elves, mm-hmm. and so I learnt when I was learning the game. Um, I used to use what everyone was running really at the time, which was a lot of core units, so lots of Dark Riders, lots of Crosswomen, lots of unkillable sorceresses with a stupid pendant that basically made her completely immune to everything. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was very movement heavy, very, Mm -hmm. very, very movement heavy. Lots of it was movement. And yes, the two million shots obviously helped uh, win games, Um, but it was very heavily movement based. So I guess I learned playing tabletop miniatures around movement a lot. Mm -hmm. Movement wins games. Yeah. And as we mentioned, deployment. So, I tend to play or try and play lists or factions that have got a lot of movement because I find I I get uninterested. And so my often my win condition, uh, overarching plan to win games in general, um, is to try and get round to areas of the board where someone else can't get to. So, for example, an often um, tactic for Dark Elves against 
big kind of hammer, all, all your eggs in one basket units that you couldn't really touch was to put a line of skirmishes in front of them and mm-hmm. retreat. Because you could have charge reactions in 5th and 6th, so you would flee every time. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of feeding these mega units that you were never going to kill, um, you know, cheap crap, cheap chaff, whilst you go and win the game elsewhere. And so it's a bit like against these kind of god-level characters, you're you're feeding them small units or little units. They can't be everywhere. And then you go off and win the game elsewhere. Um, so my often my overarching strategy is to, is, is to try and win in that movement. So I often gravitate towards uh, factions that, that, that can do that. So um, mm. IJ, uh, Ideneth, I played it like quite a bit of uh, in Sigma. So, so yes, I think that's my strategy. And that's what keeps me interested. I think you have to actually try and win as well. Like um, that sounds really silly, doesn't it? But no, you're 100 percent right. That 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 was my <laughs> my downfall at Worlds is I was one I was one damage piece away from being an excellent list. Um, yeah, and it's, it's yeah, it's it, it's not enough to simply deny your opponent the victories. You also need to um, have the capacity to kill and score. But I think what was in, that in, piece, yeah, um, well. Sam? What was that piece, Sam? Out of interest, what was what was the what was the clincher that would have changed it slightly? If I swapped the Corn Demon Prince, who was useless with impassable terrain on the boards, like there was no point having him when you can just create choke points with cheap units. Um, mm. If I swapped the Corn Demon Prince for the Contorted Epitome, yeah. um, that that would then lean into the really strong artifact. That the, the Legion have the five plus mortal wounds. Give me reroll once to hit, which would be critical on Balakor. A number of turns, I went all out attack and inspired. So twos and twos with his eight attacks, and I rolled like five ones. And it's just like that will happen, that, that you need to be prepared for it to happen, and you need to have ways of mitigating it. And the Contorted Epitome has this spell where D3 units, your whole army gets reroll ones to hit against them. Uh, it also makes any horrors that you summon significantly better because it affects their shooting. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that was, it was, look, it was just a mistake. Um, and in my, all of my games in Australia where we play area terrain, the, um, Demon Prince was the best unit. And I would have said that was the first thing I picked even before Balakor. Um, mm-hmm. but in, in the games there, um, it wasn't, no, it wasn't, wasn't remotely useful. experience, that, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think, I mean, um, this is more relevant for singles as well, I, mm-hmm. um, but you actively have to try and win. A lot of people try, you know, if it's not going particularly well in the game, they will then try to lose well. And you get more podiums taking that 5% risk chance to win the game than you will taking that 75% chance to lose the game well. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah. Makes, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, If you're behind, you have to take, more risks i think that right. comes from confidence and you are a very confident player um, because i've been in that situation so often so yeah absolutely I, that, that again that comes from experience but i think we're talking i think the people that are going to take the most from the, the, the this style of content are the people that are just starting out on their journeys yeah, right? yeah. So just to reassure you you can make a play that was designed to win the game it could be five percent but it was the right choice, even though it's going to fail 95% of the time. If you want to, you know, strive for those podiums, the people that actively try to take, to win games, even in bad positions, even in bad matchups are the people that succeed. Well, and and you, just, always, you always yeah. talk about your outs, don't you? That's mm. the thing you mention yeah. all the time. 
What, yeah. um, what, just thinking about the point I made earlier about um, how reflective we are, like, are you particularly reflective, Sam? Post, I mean, oh, mate. there about. I think me and me and me and Darren are kin <laughs> in a number of ways, but I hope you still, still do. You still think of games from like fantasy oh, from like so, ten yeah. years ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah I wake yeah. up in the night and go, <gasps> "Why yeah. did I fucking do that?" <laughs> I, I I won this the first time. I won a big event. Um, it was the um. Like in singles, I'd won a few teams events that were big, but that was just being carried by my mates. Um, it was face off. So it was the dwellers event. First time I won a hundred mana and, um, I won by some, some margin. Um, like I, I think if I'd lost my last game, I still would have won the event. Uh, but in the last game, I played against my mate Tim and he was running a dog star. So it was all vampires, mounted vampires, and then supported by hundreds of dire wolves. And um, I had an opportunity to flank his bus and deprive him of, because then I could have thrown chaff in, moving his characters across because there used to be a thing called make way and the characters could move around in oh, combat. make way. And, um, Glorious. Anyway, I had an opportunity to deprive that. I didn't. I still won the game, but I often think about this game with Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I won the game and I won the event, but I'm still dirty on myself. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and we still talk about it sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Well, that's... Oh, I feel that. I'm going to be stewing tonight now. I'm going to I'm going to have a stomach ulcer this week. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to put you back there, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> I've got something else, Alex, from like some earlier points that have just been bubbling away in my head. Yeah, if please, I, if I yeah, yeah, please, yeah. Um, so when you, so if you are running a faction that plays fair Warhammer and doesn't have these bonkers battle tactics, and you're at a, you're at a point in the game where you're in a bad spot, it, it's going to be difficult to get your battle tactic then you can try and choose the one that's going to give you an advantage in a different way. One that you're likely to fail, but it's going to give you an advantage. So an example was in a, in a Gargant game, I, this is when you could use bring it down and, um, you know, you could kill the general or you could kill the, the battle line. So in this game, I I didn't have enough. I couldn't leverage enough damage to take out a gargan. I felt if it heroic actioned. Okay, so what I did was I chose. So my my real target was a gargan. I was going to fail the battle tactic, but I chose bring it down on a different gargan, and then put all my resource into killing the other gargan. And it meant that. So yes, I, I dropped a battle tactic, but my player was a gargan down. And then in the next turn, I could choose um, Slay the General because it was a general that I'd originally chosen. And now he can no longer, they could no longer choose um, Best Day Ever because they'd already used it earlier on. So that's an example of how if you can't get it, if, you're, if you can't use a battle tactic, try and find a way that you can get an advantage from picking one that's not particularly good for you um, by trying to manipulate your opponent bit um again does that make sense because every time i talk um we've got owen and sam in the chat uh, who are so articulate it always makes me feel rubbish (laughs) if i can't understand you darren i'll tell you i've got it i've got it all yeah it's all really don't so we 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 banged on a lot about how it's really important to get your five battle tactics but Hmm. sometimes that's impossible so if it is or you might not be a faction that can make use of these these wonderful easy ones 
So you can center your strategy then around not trying to get all your, your battle tactics, but making sure you're using them so that you've got an advantage on the table, what's actually happening. Um, yeah, well, that I've leads really nice. This, oh, sorry, Alex. Oh, no, 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 no go, one, Sam. one point to make, a, I think it's yeah. reiterating something that everyone said. All of us have spoken about avoiding temptation. So mm. Owen, you spoke about Nagash and, and throwing him in because he's the, the big guy, you've, he's half your army, and there's sort of maybe a, a desire or a need to avoid temptation there and then, um, Darren, you've spoken about you, you opted not to shoot the gargant that had or to kill the gargant that was having his finest hour because obviously they're getting the save buff. And um, I, I think quite often in, for lack of a better phrase, lower skill games, um, you're you're able to bait out people doing their thing. Like your army has a particular trick or your army has a hammer unit and you want to use that, The the your strategy is designed around it. So there's actually this, this thing and it's a two-way thing and it's a strategy of avoiding temptation, avoiding temptation yourself um, in terms of going yeah, for the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the big the play that you're not going to make and then uh, avoiding temptation um, in terms of exploiting it for them. So baiting them with units so that they get a bad trade and then you're able to kill the, the key piece or whatever it might be. And I think in terms of, you know, your, your segment, the plays, Stuart McCowan is in, in my mind, the best person at doing this in the world. His, his win, his win condition is often centered around letting his opponent utilize the thing that makes their army good and then him using that against them. Yeah, um, so yeah, that, that's yeah. hard to describe in like in firm terms, but the, it's something that you'll, you'll see on the top tables um, where, where people like Stuart and also Jack, Jack Armstrong from, from what I watched on um, the Honest War Gamer and at Worlds, that yeah. they, they trade up massively. <laughs> what they yeah. give away for what they get back in return is always mm-hmm. a really, really nice haul. Who's the chap you mentioned then? Does he listen? Can we get... Stuart McCowan, the Iron Gutsman. Oh, of course. Of course, of course. I know him as the Iron Gutsman. I do I do apologise. Well, he needs to submit some plays then. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I would say um, a little echo back to other themes within the the show. Sam made me think there um, in terms of, um, you know, I always, there's always like an angel and a devil on my shoulder. <laughs> no, I don't know if anyone you ever used to read the Tintin books, but I'm pretty yep. sure that like Captain Haddock always used to have this like little angel and little devil cartoon that would come up and, you know, drag them off in different ways. And mm-hmm. um, I think every time I've made a play and in my gut, I'm like, ah, this doesn't feel quite right, but it's the, it's like the aggressive thing to do or uh-huh. the thing that I think I should be doing. Um, or it's the end of a really complicated decision tree. And I'm basically like wanking off and kind of going, look at how smart <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't wait to tell everyone how, Smart, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I put time... seven buffs on. I better use them. That's yeah, 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 exactly. Like, oh, oh, the classic Sam is. Oh, oh let's let the dice decide. Oh shit! Roll a twelve. <laughs> I better make that charge. And like, oh, you know, yeah. this is this this cost me a game against um, Toby Meadows. I rolled a twelve to charge with my Furies, oh. and um, my plan was absolutely to tag some Iron Golems, but the twelve got me onto his objective. Um, and it put me within reach of his Varangard, and two Varangard just killed 12 Furies in an activation. Oh, no. um, and yeah, if I'd rolled anything, like if, even if I'd rolled like an 11, I would have got only the Golems and been in a far stronger position. But the, <laughs> the 12 made me greedy. That that hurt a lot. So, yeah, listen to that gut. Understand yourself and, like, you're in, like, like you know, it's very you. You're very much playing on your instincts when you get into the meat of the game, right? Once mm-hmm. you've got through deployment and the first turn, and then those turns, especially turns two and three, and 
you know, li- listen, listen to the angel, not the devil, I would say. Oh, that's Owen's top tip. Listen to the angel, not the devil. Um, just before we get to our Darren's favourite section, I thought we'd just end on top tips, which is nice because I think it's a nice tip from Owen. So, Sam, Darren, any top tips for listeners about strategy that you just want them to go away with? I'll start with you, Darren. I think when you've got a hoardier army, it's tempting to try and sort of cover the board and think to yourself, I'm going to try and get every objective. Um, I, what I like to do with a horde army is just cover enough objectives so that I've got an advantage and let my opponent try and get all the objectives so that you're leveraging more of your resources into less of theirs so that you so you can you can fight if there are three objectives in the middle of the board you can fight over two you know you don't have to you don't have to go for all three depending if the 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 sexy objectives moving about of course yeah you can Um, make your board smaller for your advantage you can focus it into your area yeah so I, I quite often just play for, you know, two objectives or four objectives in a six objective mm-hmm. game rather than try to fight for all of them. You don't necessarily need to cover everything. Yeah. Fantastic. Sam, last last point's yours. So I think fail fast. I think be be willing to get your practice reps in and test things out because um that ultimately is where you're gonna you're gonna make your learnings from getting practice games in, trying things out, and if they they don't work, doing that um, doing that work afterwards that I was talking about, um, and reflecting on the game is is probably where you're gonna grow and avoid the temptation. It's super easy. It's super easy to say, oh, my dice were dirty, or it's super easy to say your opponent had hot dice, or it wasn't a particularly good scenario for your army or whatever. You should you should avoid any of those narratives and just think about, well, what could I have done better? What, where were there opportunities for me to, to score more points or to, to um, you know, to, to, to maybe take that path to victory that slipped away? Nice. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Right. Time's getting on. So we're on to our last section of this podcast, which people know Alex, what it is. Me and Sam want Owen's top tip. <laughs> oh, we had the. I thought uh, Owen's top tip was Angel and the Devil on the Shoulder, but Owen, you're allowed another top tip if you like. Well, was that a top tip? I thought no, that, that was, was a, a Tintin tip. reference. It was a- oh, okay. <laughs> let's. let's uh, <laughs> I was taking Tintin as the top tip, but Owen, I apologise. Uh, please do if you have a top tip, Owen, rather than Tintin. There's a lot of teas in there. Tintin top tip. Um, I would just kind of nail. I would kind of like. Uh, go further with the idea of understanding yourself. Um, you know, this is probably, I'm in a reflective period of my life anyway. So, you know, uh, you can't, you, yeah, you can't not take your personality to the table, good and bad. So understand yourself and understand then also, um, what your weaknesses are and surround yourself with people who fill in the gaps. So, you know, like I know that I'm not the greatest list writer, so, you know, I'll send lists to Leo or I'll bend Darren's ear, you know, kind of build yourself up, you know, kind of fill in the gaps around you um, with 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 good people and, and friends. Um, and, you know, they they can then what does it say? Uh, a rising tide raises all ships or something. So, you know, like kind of learn together and, you know, like mm-hmm. basically 
lean into the community like that. That's um that's pyramid scheme capitalist rhetoric. <laughs> that's that's, 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 that's <laughs> <laughs> they do hey, say that, I, but it's I, also I, their scam artists. <laughs> welcome to our miscast Ponzi scheme, which I was just about to talk about. Come on, uh, I love where my you can all invest. So. Yeah. Yeah. For me to be part of the pyramid scheme, I do love my OBR. So, yeah, it's a black fair. pyramid scheme, okay? <laughs> and it's just a great time to you my Patreon again, if anyone... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you invest in Miscast, you can speak to... Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much, Owen. Right, Darren, take it away. The place! Thank you very much. And it's not late at night, so you don't wake up any... Wake, wake no, but I'm going to wake up my hungover girlfriend in the bedroom. <laughs> You're like a right. cockerel, the Portsmouth cockerel. <laughs> now, uh, I'm super, super interested in hearing some of Sam's plays because I'm hoping they're as convoluted as I'd, I'd imagine um, and also ones that he might have seen. So I'm going to just whiz through one that's been sent in by Francesco of Team Italy. Yeah. Um, and I want to highlight this one. It's a very simple one, but it's something that I didn't know when I was playing Iron Jaws. Um, and it's by their captain, Andrea. And he, and also, I just want to highlight, Steve follows what he said about the uh, Italian captain. It was like watching someone play a violin. It was like, you know, listening <laughs> Ooh, to fine music. So he listening was super, to jazz. He was so impressed by Andrea's play that he's now considering an Iron Jaws army himself, just to give you an idea of like, and Stephen Follows is a very, very, very fine Age of Sigma mind. So so to impress him is um, bellissimo. Um, Bellissimo. (laughs) But it's a very simple one. So it's just he had his um, Maw Crusher use Mighty Destroyers um, to charge into his epitome and then in the movement phase retreated away outside 3.1 inches. So the epitome wasn't able to, at the start mm-hmm. of the combat phase, you know, on a four plus make him strike last. And then because he'd charged, even though he'd retreated out, he was unable to pile in. And it's something that I could have made use of against Mike Stewart at Bobo when I mighty charged in my pigs. And then later on, I didn't do this because I wasn't particularly aware of it. I wasn't thinking about it. Maybe Mike could put me under enough pressure that, you know, um, that play had that play just wasn't on my radar, but I would have been able to retreat out three inches and then get more pigs into his, into his skinks. Um, so since reading this from Francesco, I've had sleepless nights thinking about how I could have done better. <laughs> Kids like Stuart at Bobo. Um, but yeah, it's just a lovely little, a little way that you can prevent someone's, um, someone's value from one of their key pieces, right? It's, it's a nice little, cute little play. Well done. Great. Thanks. Sam, play. Any going, plays you'd like to mention to our listeners? No, going going back to our very first segment when you gave us a bit of a history lesson, Ooh. we've got to use the, the same phrase, be prepared to be disappointed, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't prepare any. I didn't have any plays. I'll think of one. I'll write it into the show for a future episode. Oh, no. Yeah, that's fine. Absolutely. We, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get one written into the Twitters and we'll uh, yep. mention it across. It's You're fine. We we can give we can do some post show uh, post show notes, which is perfect because it's extra content. So mm, yes, I'll let you the post plays, the post plays, the post plays. Mm. Owen, um, I I can I can talk about two probably. I mean, the first one, if anyone saw me reply on Twitter yesterday, was that uh, Mick Wendell from Team Ireland did possibly the most 
fucking meta thing that you could ever do with oh, yeah. Play, yeah. <laughs> which was that he killed his own Cronspine incarnate of Gur by choking on somebody's purple sun. <laughs> so I think that you if you go to eat an endless spell and fail, then you drop a bracket or drop a level. So yeah, he went to power up and he powered down, which I just you know that's kind of with them being everywhere, I thought that was great. Um but I, I could talk about I had one play last weekend which I don't think was particularly um fantastic it was quite luck based but it was a pretty amazing set of um you know sort of circumstances and i think it may be something that might be you know uh it 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 goes to some of the themes that we've talked about this episode so i can i can i can ramble on about a zombie based play if you like Um, yeah please do so this is this comes very much from anyone who's played team tournaments, you know, scrapping for points. Um, so this was against uh, Gaia, who was the he was part of the Norwegian team, and I was playing against his um, drone, you know, the whatever it's called, the Nurgle Air Force. Essentially, it was I believe it was twelve of the Puskor Blight Lords, a Lord of Afflictions, Bloab, and Festus. You know, quite a, a net listy aggressive he made two 12 inch charges and a nine inch charge on his first turn after pre-game moving and i i gave him some charges because i didn't want to be off the objectives anyway we had a really good ding dong of a game i killed the lord of afflictions and four flies on the first turn i turned the lord of afflictions into a zombie on the first turn which was pretty fucking special and it all came down and we traded backwards and forwards and in the end he he got nagash and he tabled me um going into turn Four, he tabled me, which was pretty scary. Um, and the only way that I could get any more points was through quite a, a lot of hoop jumping, a bit of luck. So basically, I went into my turn four and um, I rolled a five. At the end of turn three, I rolled a five and I brought yeah. back 10 zombies. So I had 10 zombies on an objective. We were playing on survival of the fittest and the two, the objective um on one flank had been burnt, and so there was an objective in the center and an objective on the bottom left. I know we've got three minutes till the end of the show, so I'll keep it snappy. <laughs> but essentially, he had two flies that were in the center, and that was the closest thing it was ever going to get over to these zombies. So basically, I, I took my turn, and I was like, I'm not going to – I'm going to keep a range away from your flies so that even if you move your eight, you're going to be outside of 12 and you can't make the charge. So – he did that and that was fine. And I got my point. And then I then played for a late game, three points, which was, I need to, the only battle tactic I can get is a white dwarf one, whereby you have to <laughs> solo, you throw away your own unit. It's called something like, um, callous overlords. So the way I did it was I moved my, um, zombies up outside of nine inches so that you couldn't redeploy two flies straight onto the objective and deny me. Cause I was thinking I need to get one point for the objective and two points for callous overlords. Um, and that's going to, you know, give me a few points for the tournament and maybe I won't finish last. So what it was based around was winning prior from four to five, which I did moving the zombies up outside of nine, then hard rolling a nine inch charge. Zombies don't have a unit champion. So there's no rerolls available. I rolled an 11 
They yeah. then were able to bubble wrap around the flies. So they couldn't flying pile in onto the objective and deny me the objective point. They then did one mortal wound, and then the flies wiped them off. And it gave me three <laughs> victory points, which was four victory points over two turns, just with one little summoned unit. And oh, I felt really bad about it in the end. But everyone was crowded around because I got the sense that it meant a lot. And I was like, I'm going to scrap for these points. And it meant then through that one play that Gaia finished one point less than Mike Stewart and Mike then went through to the semifinals and then inevitably onto the final, um, not inevitably, in the, in the end onto the final. So um, don't feel bad for playing as hard as you can. That's, you know, otherwise I played super hard with basically zero models yeah. and I had to roll a five win prio then move up, then see the play, then make a nine-inch charge without any re-rolls, then wrap But it shows them. you that it can happen. It does happen. So start expecting good yes. outcomes. Yes, much like what you were saying about, you know, playing. Whilst I was losing, I wasn't. I was trying to, like, I was trying to win the last two rounds, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You got, every, you got everything out of that game that you could at that point. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, so that um, was a zombie-based play. Well, I also want to say that Mick has inspired our next uh, the play section. Next next time, we're going to ask for the misplays. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So next time, and Darren's alluded to it. Next time, we won't be doing the plays. We'll be doing the misplays, and I know everyone listening have will have at least one of these. So we would quite like you to send in your misplays. So do send them into Darren or Owen or the Miscast Twitter feed. Do send your misplays in. Um, I had one more fantastic play, but I think we're going to run out of time. So what I'll do is I'll save it for our next episode because it's a long one, but it's a good one. Um, mm. It's really well written. Um, so we'll save that for next time. So our next few episodes um, will be revolved around list writing, list building, which I'm sure people have got lots of opinions on, uh, and playing on stream. And so Thanks. we'll have some guests to come in and help us talk about those um those subjects so all that's left for me to say is thank you very much sam for coming coming on and giving us your insights about strategy i think it's really useful and i will retweet your lovely picture so thank you very much sam you're welcome thanks so much for for having me on and i'd love to come back any anytime you guys uh anytime you guys would like (laughs) if i I warranted a read uh, another absolutely (laughs) and thanks darren thanks owen and um so yeah that's all that's left for me to say thank you the listeners for listening and again thanks so much for all your lovely feedback it's absolutely heartwarming to see it all for all of us so thank you very much so do send in your questions Uh, we'll try and answer them even the piss taking ones so thanks again be kind look after each other and we'll catch you all next time so cheers bye bye bye